We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When it's too tough for them, it's just right for us. Where would you rather be than right here, right now? The Rock Pile Report with Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. The Bills make me wanna Chicago Bears once carried the flame of their big-shouldered, blue-collar town in the form of a welder's torch. They came straight at you, wrote Jim Murray, and crippled you and sent flowers later. Then, after winning their eighth NFL title in 1963, the Bears slipped deep into mediocrity. Enter Buddy Ryan in 1978, a defensive coordinator as brilliant as a diamond and just as hard armed with a secret weapon that came to be called the 46 defense. We uh, had a scheme that nobody knew how to block, and then we had, uh, and then we had some great, great athletes in certain spots. Had some guys that weren't so great, but nobody knew it. Well, I always try to tell the truth. That's why I don't have to worry about what I've said, and I don't think that's always the case with a lot of people. And they'll say one thing to a player's back, and they'll say another one to his face. Well, I, ne- I never operated on that. Whatever I have to say to them, I say it to their face, and they understand that. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of the Rock Pile Report. We start off this week on something of a somber note because the father of our coach and our defensive who-knows-what-his-job-really-is, Robin Rex Ryan, NFL legend Buddy Ryan, has passed away. He's been ill for some time, and this isn't anything that was unexpected, but this week there was a, there was a lot of outpouring, you know, of acclaim for the 82-year-old man who really revolutionized defense at the NFL level. And I I just want to take a moment here. I just want to take a moment to read Rex Ryan's letter and be, his statement on behalf of the Ryan family. He says, on behalf of the entire Ryan family, we want to take this opportunity to thank everyone for their sympathies, prayers, and warm thoughts with the passing of my dad. He was many things to many people. Outstanding coach, mentor, fierce competitor, father figure, faithful friend, and the list goes on. 
But to me and my brothers, Rob and Jim, he was so much more. He was everything you want in a dad. Tough when he had to be. Compassionate when you didn't necessarily expect it. And a loving teacher and confidant who cherished his family. He truly was our hero. For Rob and me, we've had the great fortune of sharing the coaching profession that he was so proud of and cherished so much. There is no way we can possibly begin to measure how much football we have learned from him over the years, and we are forever thankful to him for instilling within us his unwavering love for the game of football. While today is a tough day for all of us in the Ryan family, we are consoled in knowing how much Dad was loved by so many and the love he gave back in return. Though we will miss him dearly, we take comfort in knowing that his memory will live on through all of us. Now, what do you say to the uh, the forty six defense and what it has done to the uh, the NFL? I will say that before I even get on the defense, I want to talk about Buddy Ryan as a person. You can see it if you knew anything about Buddy Ryan, or you ever, you've ever gone back and watched anything about him, any of his interviews, any of the stuff that went on throughout the course of his career. His sons are just like he was. You know, they're gonna. They're not going to mince words. They're not going to play nice just because you want them to. They're going to do what they feel is right, and they're going to do it their way. He did not take any crap from anybody, and that's how Rex and Rob are. He punched out Kevin Gilbride and then said that he would be selling insurance within a month. (laughs) That was one of his own, own coaches. Like That was a coach on his team. He had some other quote, too, of, like, uh, we should get, or I think it was about a player, like, we should get rid of this guy for a six-pack, and it doesn't matter if it's cold. (laughs) I'll say this. Our coaching staff, between Rex and Rob, they are the way they are because of their father. And the 85 Bears were the way they were because of their father. The Philadelphia Eagles defenses, who outplayed their rankings... (laughs) You had Reggie White, and you had um, you had Clyde Simmons. Now, for some of those listeners that don't know this, I went to high school with Clyde Simmons' son, and I've seen Clyde Simmons. He is the size of a door frame, literally. <laughs> Him and Reggie White made that defensive line for Buddy Ryan. What I know is that the guy, everything he touched, maybe didn't necessarily turn to gold, but you know what? You knew those guys were going to fight like hell. And he's rubbed off on his kids. And that's why they are the way they are. And I wouldn't have them any other way. And so from the Rockpile Report to the Ryan family, just take a moment here and cheers. Cheers to the Ryan family. Now, for those of you that did not catch on with that little intro that we put forth, I had posed the question to Drew, who didn't answer me until he got here today. And I had, I had asked our friend uh, Kyle and Gary Smith about it. I posed the question, was Buddy Ryan's 46 defense the perfect defense for the 1985 Bears? All three of you have said yes. And for those of you that you did not catch on, that little intro number behind those Buddy Ryan quotes was the WWF's Kurt Hennings, Mr. Perfect's theme song. Guys, this is what happens when you hang out with wrestling fans. They just, 
they can't get off wrestling. They think it's the greatest sport ever. When it's a bunch of men in their underwear. So we've got some news to announce. We've got... uh, We are now sponsored, Drew. Thank you to our fans of the Rockpile Report podcast. We've started YouTubing videos and stuff. And because of your valiant effort to pump our videos, especially the video of Drew and I reviewing Labatt Blue Grapefruit, we are now sponsored by the Labatt Fruit and Vegetable Division. Look for Labatt Blue Light Avocado this fall. All right. He's high. No. What I want to announce is that the the Rockpile Report is joining to a partnership with Bill's Fanatics. BF.com. Bill's Fanatics, if everyone's not familiar with the group on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, they have, they're a multifaceted Bill's News outlet. And they, you know, through our interactions with them, I just, I feel like it's a perfect fit because the guys are knowledgeable. They know about the Bills. And I, I love talking to them about it. It seems like a perfect fit. I really look forward to collaborating with them as we go forward and really kind of just growing the relationship and you know helping to promote the brand yep, that they, is Bill's Fanatics. Yep, they don't have a uh, they do have a video cast, the BF Barber Shop, which you can find on YouTube. They don't really have a, a podcast, and uh, Pierre and Rico, who we've had well, on. Well, I mean, come on, who is he going to find who's better than us at it? Yeah, we're amazing. <laughs> we are fantastic. We are amazing. And Rico and Peter were the last two people we have had on, and uh, that was actually two of the reasons that we've had those two on in the last well, two episodes is to discuss with them about becoming a part of Bill's Fanatics, BF.com. Which part of it has to do with the fact that their, produ- like their website and the way that they're formatted is just, I wouldn't buy into anything I wasn't a fan of reading. And so I I saw what they were about, and I liked it. And I'm happy to collaborate with them. And now we're going to get on with the podcast, and we're going to start it as we always do with the Bills News Update. Ah, here we go. So... Well, there have been no reports of a specific setback in his rehab, Sammy Watkins kind of backtracked this week from his original statement that he wouldn't miss any significant time in training camp. This coming from ProFootballTalk.com. Now, I'm personally okay with this. He already has chemistry with Tyrod. Tyrod knows how to throw him a 40-yard a 40-yard ball because I feel like that was their entire chemistry. It was just he could trust that Tyrod would find him deep and he would burn one or two cornerbacks and get open. Sammy didn't play in the Jacksonville game last year. No, that's right. And neither did Tyrod. And, and I that's think where they got it that's together. Where they got it together off the field. Where Sammy was like, "Dude, just throw me the ball. Just throw me the ball. I'll Put it up get there. it. I will get it." <laughs> so, and that's where their production came from at the end of the year. So I honestly feel like this is kind of a blessing in disguise because it's going to give us a full training camp to watch what else we have coming through the pipeline. It's going to give guys like Des Lewis, who's a highly trumpeted player coming out of uh, minicamp and OTAs. They're saying this kid looks like he's actually getting it. With his size, he's six foot 6'4". They're looking for someone to fill Chris Hogan, Hogan's old role. 
Yeah, and, and we'll get into that in a little bit later on with Eric Turner from CoverOne.net. We have Eric Turner coming up later, later tonight from CoverOne.net. It's going to be fantastic. But I feel like that is what... I don't know. I just feel like that gives them the flexibility to let Watkins sit to week one. I don't care. I don't care if I see Sammy Watkins on the field at all during the preseason. Because every time he goes out for a route, I'm going to be holding my breath. I'm going to be like, oh, Jesus, is this the one where he re-injures himself? Was it the rib against Detroit in the preseason? Put him out there when it matters. It wasn't a four. It was a fifth preseason game. Get him in shape. Get him in game shape. And then just let him sit because we all know what he is. Let him take some small reps, but nothing major. And I want to see him come out like gangbusters fresh against the Ravens come week one. Now, speaking of Tyrod Taylor, news also broke this past week that both Tyrod Taylor and the Bills aren't ruling out an extension being signed midseason. I think that that shows that even after his agents, you know, all of the offseason posturing that he did and all of the talking he did to the media about how he's the best since Jim Kelly and that must be worth something, you know, it still seems like both the player and the team remain committed to remaining rational while this process kind of, you know, finds its course. Come on, sweetie. No, don't be a bitch. Let's talk some numbers here. Sadly, we all remember the last midseason contract the Bills handed out when they signed Fitzpatrick to a $60 million deal only to cut him a year later. That was that was pathetic. It was a kick in the ribs. It's like, Jesus Christ, this guy looked fantastic. And then he turned out to be a bum. It was like the clock struck midnight and Cinderella turned back into a pumpkin. I think he only had like one win after his signing his contract, which I believe was a shutout against the Redskins, which yep. was, I'll never forget. And so one of those things is somebody that likes statistics, you just hear something and you're about the Bills, and it's like, I will never forget that. Because <laughs> the, the next day, because we shut out the Redskins like 38 to nothing, on I think it was the day before Halloween, because I showed up to Hudson Grill in Atlanta wearing nothing but a banana suit and a T.O. jersey. And nobody else decided to dress up for Halloween. I, That's I awesome. felt out of place. And I remember that night or the next day hearing that Redskins shutout win was the only time in Mike Shanahan's co- coaching history that he was ever shut out. Bills over Redskins. Shut out. Man, it's, it's painful to even talk about. Ryan Fitzpatrick. And then to kind of round out the Bills news from the last week, last week, on a happy note, Pagula Sports Entertainment announced that they've struck a 10-year deal with the MSG Network. You know, people who get dish, your ass out. You're not going to see it. But for everybody else... I don't have that problem because I don't have cable (laughs) For Time Warner, DirecTV, anyone streaming on the internet, the MSG Network has agreed with Pagula Sports Entertainment to bring expanded coverage of the Buffalo Bills to their network. Now, their offerings are going to include the Rex Ryan Show. I mean... I know the hecklers out there, the whiner liners from WGR are going to be like, oh, every every day is the Rex Ryan show. Uh, But in reality, we're going to get a show with our coach once a week. 
a, a separate Buffalo Bills All Access show, and then a giant block of programming dedicated specifically to covering just the Bills and the Sabers. Let's not forget that GR is getting rid of at some point. I would assume by training camp, there's all the reports out that GR is getting rid of Jim Rome from twelve to three mm-hmm. in the afternoon, and that's going to be John Murphy, the John Murphy Show slash, I guess, Sal Capaccio. I'm sure they're going to simulcast some of that on the TV. You know, kind they of like should. how Howard Simon did back in Empire Sports Network. I mean, this is big because this region hasn't had anything. For those of you who are old enough to remember it. The Empire Sports Network was the only regional sports network that this area has ever has ever had. And it was alive and kicking right up until the NHL lockout, you know, in 2004. And that pretty much put it down. That, that pretty much killed it. And then when Pagula had bought the Sabres and now has bought the Bills, that there was talks when their contract was up with MSG that they were going to not re-up. And Pagula was going to do his own regional sports network and kind of yep. bring back Empire Sports. But now with a more expanded role with MSG, you know, they won't need to do that. No, it's it's awesome. I think it's a fantastic partnership and I look forward to look you know to seeing their content. Now this week guys, I just want to point out this week there's I write I went to school for journalism. Okay. I wrote a blog this week for Buff, for BillsFanaticsBF.com. As the Green Bay Packers are the only team that's publicly owned, they have no choice but to release their financial information to the public. The amount of money I'm going to be making would hurt your parents' feelings. <laughs> so after spending a few days picking through all of the information, I just prepped up an article that I think everyone should take a minute and just go check out. You know, BillsFanaticsBF.com. The article focuses not just on what I found out about the Packers' revenue and profits, profits, like the fact that even though they were in ninth place over the last few years for total dollars profited, they only managed $40 million a year. That's $40 million compared to the total you know, worth of the organization. It kind of, you know, it kind of sheds some light on the NFL as a whole and their financial picture. And the impact that these economics are going to have on the bills going forward in regards to the new stadium that everyone keeps Trump. Everyone keeps trumpeting this line that the bills need a new stadium. Well, let's take a look at the finances and see if it makes any sense. That's the mindset I took into this. And what I found was fantastic. I think, you know, I think everyone should go check it out. Just give it a read and let me know what you think. I want to I want to be able to read some of this on the air. I want I want some feedback. I want to know if I'm crazy because in all honesty, what I see is a team that I don't know if we can even afford the lending it would take to people are saying, oh, Lucas Oil Stadium only cost seven hundred and twenty million. Okay, that was that was years ago. Inflation, everything else, that price has come up. And at the same time, we may not have the ability to borrow that much. The taxpayers in this area can't afford it. Are you going to sell PSLs? What are you going to do? You're going to throttle your ticket. You've sold out games being in a small market forever, even with bad football teams. You start enforcing PSLs. How many of those players, how many of those players, those fans are coming back to buy those seats? You can't sell more luxury boxes because there's no Fortune 500 companies here in Buffalo. At least not yet. Buffalo's looked at as a small market for tech startups, but 
those companies haven't come here yet. At the so end of the day, there's it, a lot it's of still information a while there. for that to happen. I think anybody who's interested in this topic should go take a look at my article. BillsFanaticsBF.com. Go check it out and then tweet at us or email us and let me know what you think. There's a poll. I want to know what everyone thinks on this topic because it's important to me. You know, I've done the research on it. I I just don't see it. I don't see a new stadium in the cards unless the Pagulas are willing to personally finance it. I just don't. That's how every expensive-ass stadium should be. And in all be. honesty, I, I think that the NFL is being kind of disingenuous. They're saying we need it. But then again, we don't need it. We still draw an 80,000-plus crowd every Sunday. Unless it's snowing like crazy. I think structurally it comes down to the fact that when that stadium was built, they built that so far into the ground that structurally it's it's still holding its worth because it was not built directly on top of the ground. See, I think you're wrong. I think that they're doing that because they say, they're pushing more teams to build new stadiums because they look at it as we've seen exponential growth. Over the last couple of years. Well, I'm just saying that's why it's, Hang on, we've that's seen why exponential it's still growth here. And we want more value. We want more value to the NFL as a whole. And so now they're going to, kind of like what happened to St. Louis, they're going to start squeezing every market. Small market teams are going to get squeezed to try to get every drop of revenue they can from their area. I don't like it. I don't as, like it. Well, as long as Pagul is the owner, we're not moving. We're not moving to Vegas. We're not moving to San Antonio. We're not moving to any market that is in the market for a football team like Bismarck, North Dakota, or wherever. <laughs> well, I guess I guess if you have any interest in the topic, go check out my article at Buffalo at BillsFanaticsBF.com. And then speaking of Bills Fanatics, they run what they like to call the barber shop. It's their way to get together, talk some smack, go over their ideas about the Bills. I heard something really interesting as I was going through some of their things. And, you know, over the last few weeks, some of the Bills veterans have spoken out about the direction of the team. And not all of it's been glowing. Jim Kelly made news when he publicly declared that he thought Rex would be fired if the team didn't make the postseason. Now, me, I'm personally surprised to hear him talk so candidly about that, considering this is a coach in his second year who he was just eating chicken wings with and hanging out at at the bar with. And Big Tree. I mean, why don't you check out this clip from Bill's Fanatics Barbershop and let them tell you themselves. The man that took us to four Super Bowls is speaking on behalf of Bill's fans and saying that if Rex doesn't get his shit together. Hold on, Jim. You took us to four Super Bowls and you didn't win dick. But yet, you're going to talk about if he doesn't get his act together, he's out. How about after, you know what, after the first one you lost, cool. You know what I mean? You made it to the dance. Second one, shit, we got to win this one. Nope, took an L. Third one, man, three times a charm. We got this one. Nope. The fourth one, ah, oh, man, we had this one. Four Super Bowl losses. But yet, you walk around Buffalo with your chest out. And that right? was... That was Rico. Like you the man in these streets. That was Rico from uh, the BF Barbershop, which you can find on YouTube, that he hosts with Pierre, BillsFanaticsBF.com. Uh, he was basically saying that Jim Kelly, as big as he is in this city, what is 
he didn't do anything for us but lose four Super Bowls. How <laughs> is he the one to say that Rex should be fired this year if he doesn't make the playoffs? I'll say this. I think that to his point, I get it. You don't want somebody coming at you from a point of, oh, well, this guy's had one year. He inherited a team. He didn't really, you know, he tried to make some pieces fit where they shouldn't. He got rid of some guys. He brought in some of his own guys. He's had some time to make make changes now that he's been here for one year. I think for him to come on so strong as to say, oh, I, def- I think that Rex Ryan's going to get fired if he doesn't make the postseason, that's kind of ballsy for Jim Kelly considering – who knows? He should have probably been thrown out of here after his third Super Bowl loss. At that point, people should have started doubting him, but we didn't. So for him to say publicly that he's now doubting Ryan after one season, I don't know. Well, I think it kind of makes him a hypocrite. Well, I mean, to this point in the franchise of the Bills, what better time <laughs> of our franchise was better than 88, 88 to 95? I mean, he is the best quarterback and quarterback is the most looked at position in football. We've never had a better quarterback. Okay, but he's not you talking can make about, a, hang on, but Jim Kelly's not talking about our quarterback. He's talking about our coach. Exactly. Okay? I'm just saying when he left, Marv Levy was still here. Was he gonna come back and say, Oh, if Marv Levy doesn't take this team to the playoffs, he's gonna get fired. I'm just no, saying No, that's he, not what he said. I'm just saying he quarterbacked the best era of our franchise. That's why he has never left Buffalo because he would probably be be ridiculed if he lived went back to Pittsburgh or Miami or wherever but he stayed in Buffalo because he knows that people love him here and he can say whatever he wants which and is why I think he not should, get away with it but that's why also why I think you're here okay you're a part of us now you've made you've built yourself into this legend here in Buffalo you're our local hero then don't then don't try to tear down what we're building don't try to undercut our coach when he's the, the guy showed up. He had one year and he went eight and eight. Okay, he was one win away from the previous coach who had two years under his belt. And I don't want I don't want to be in this position of of getting rid of coaches every two to three years. I mean, you know more about football continuity than continuity I will ever is know. Everything exactly. You Why? look at college football teams. Some college football teams are terrible out of the gate, but they get a good head coach and a good coaching staff, and you watch them build. They build a system, and once they have their system in place, it works. Mentioning college football, would you feel that way this year? I mean, I don't know college football that well, but one of the coaches that is kind of looked at in that vein, having a couple of seasons where it didn't do so well at Texas, Charlie Strong. Is this the year that they kind of get it together and he's got all the players in his system that he needs Texas for his system? Texas made strides last year and they have to continue. No, I don't think this is their year. I think they're about two years away. I think Charlie Strong and those guys need to just keep building. Because eventually, you know... But will the boosters allow that? And that... Well, there's all kinds of outside pressure. Here in the NFL, we don't have to worry about that. What we have to worry about is the fact that here's what the owners see, here's what the coaches see. But if the owner and the coach, as long as they're on the same page along with the GM, it's fine. So Jim Kelly, don't go driving a wedge in that. Everyone seems like they're unified. So he should probably just shut up and stay in his lane. Uh, yeah. To Rico's credit. Exactly. I want to see Rex here for a minimum of four to five years. 
I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take, but I think I think it's going to take some time. But when we build this, I think it's Dick I Duran. think it's going to work. Dick Duran. Don't the, talk to me about Dick. Duran. I'm sorry. That guy's a bum. He's like a walking. He looked like Skeletor. The guy looked like Skeletor. He's just a walking corpse with no emotion on the sideline. And when we're getting throttled, he's just standing there holding his clipboard, looking at it like, ah, I don't know what to do. We're getting our heads kicked in. Do something. Christ. Run out onto the field. Snap the clipboard. Act like you give a shit. Earn your paycheck. Can you tell me since between Marv Levy and Dick Duran, any of our coaches ever getting a, a contract extension? The answer is no. Dick Duran was the first head coach since Marv Levy to get a contract extension. So I, we it's going to continuity. We need I need Rex here for four to five years. And just think of like Houston when they had Kubiak. There was a lot of talk like, oh, we're going to fire Kubiak, and they kept him for another year, and they made the playoffs. Or how about when we beat on the final play of the game, EJ to Stevie. And yep. then the whole next week is we got to get rid of Ron Rivera. Oh, Ron and they Rivera were just was in the, the Super Bowl. And that's what I'm talking about. You cannot have these knee jerk reactions. And to hear it, hear it coming from someone so influential to the fan base, I don't know. I'm disappointed. I expected better from Jim Kelly. Yeah, considering he, was he just had that. beers a year ago with him <laughs> at Big Tree. I thought he was better than that. All right, folks, we have a real treat tonight. We are live with Eric Turner. From CoverOne.net. Eric, how are you doing? Not too bad, guys. Uh, glad to be with you. So I got to ask, for, for those of you out there who don't know and who haven't seen the website, CoverOne.net, I was just telling him before, you know, before we started recording that I stayed up until about 1230, not meaning to, just watching all of the videos that Eric has put together, breaking down just plays from touchdown plays from last season and, you know, Going into the X's and O's of some of the guys that we drafted, some of the guys that we picked up, Eric, where did you come up with the idea to just just to get into this? Uh, I mean, having played football my whole life, um, you know, there had to be a certain point where I had to move on from it. Um, so I went into coaching for a few years, and um, uh, where I live now, after a few years of coaching, um, you know, I had to give it up. And so the site and breaking down film and whatnot was just one way to keep. Um, involved with football, to keep learning about football, and just to stay involved with it, and, and you know, just keep that brain moving. And uh, and I enjoy, you know, X's and O's. That's the best part of it for me. And and that all twenty two footage is definitely something that I, I take pride in breaking down every week. That's fantastic, and you do a great job of it. Um, I mean, just from an outsider, just seeing your website for the first time, I was impressed by just the way it's set up and just the content. The content there is incredible. You know, I urge anybody who's listening to this right now to head over to CoverOne.net and just take a look. And, you know, I, I guarantee you're going to find yourself sucked into at least two or three different avenues. Because <laughs> that's what happened to me. I told my girlfriend I was coming to bed and then I made a liar out of myself two and a half hours later. <laughs> so I got to ask you, first, first and foremost, just as a formality, I got to know, what is your favorite Buffalo Bills memory? Well, I, I like to keep it current. Um, so, I mean, I won't go back 20 years from now, from now. but I'll, uh, I'd say last season, for me, the, the biggest moment was uh, Shady McCoy's 48-yard touchdown uh, against Miami. It was his second touchdown of the year. It was a nice long touchdown. It was the first game he broke over 100 yards. Um, and I've been a Shady fan having, you know, watched running backs and been a running back 
Um, I take pride in that position. I love guys like him that just can create, and he still is one of the most creative runners in this league, and so I appreciate what he brings to our team. The That run was fantastic. I Eric, I am a huge Miami Dolphin hater, and it is, <laughs> and it goes beyond the Dolphins as a team. If you, and most people don't know this, I'm actually a huge fish eater. I I eat salmon. <laughs> I eat like fish. I would say three to five times a week. If you were to present me with a salmon caught in the Atlantic versus a salmon caught in Lake Erie, I will take the Lake Erie salmon. I hate <laughs> Miami that much. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, I think as Bills fans, we were raised to 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 be uh, Miami Dolphin haters. See, um, but Eric, I, I, Eric I, how, I, I'm in the same boat with you, my friend. Eric, how old are you? I am 33. Okay, you're right in the same age as, as me and Drew. Uh, Absolutely. Or at least for me, growing up in my neighborhood here in Buffalo, <clears> we would always have parties like every Sunday because you know when you're six, seven, eight, nine years old, the Bills are going to the Super Bowl every year, and <laughs> I just remember those matchups between Jim Kelly and Dan, and Dan Marino. Marino. Those are the nexus of a legend, but that was where this whole squish the fish thing started. Yes. Because that was a real rivalry. You could feel it. Those two great Hall of Fame quarterbacks were going to get together and duel each other. It's it's like when it was Peyton Manning and Tom Brady before it happened. Yes. No, and, definitely. And, you know, when you have talent like that on our team and what they had in Miami, um, you just raise that level of competition. And it it, it shows the respect that, you know, they had for each other. And you can see that still nowadays, oh, you know. Yeah. And so then my last question for you is this before we really get into talking about football. Okay. Bill's game day. Uh-huh. Whether you're at the stadium, whether you're sitting at home, what is your favorite game day, you know, pre-game food? Well, of course, um, chicken wings, of course. I mean, because I don't live in Buffalo anymore, so anytime mm-hmm. I come in for a game or two, I got to have chicken wings on hand. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I, I like just a simple Italian sausage and peppers. Mm-hmm. Um, and my you know, group of friends always fry up some kind of turkey. So I, I like a little <laughs> bit of everything. Like I said, I like to have a... Uh, a taste of home um, when I do come back in town. So That's awesome. All right, well, we're going to get into this thing. So Rex made a lot of waves. You know, he created a lot of controversy when he declared to everybody that we won the offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about this team. You know, obviously a lot of things got to happen, and, and we're, you know, a month or so away. I, I told our players today that to win July, we've won the offseason. I would challenge anything. I think we've won the offseason. But we need to win July. And I think that's, you know, and that's when everybody's on, you know, by themselves on their own. But doing the things to be in great shape when we get to camp. Let's try to avoid some of those injuries that we we had last year, the small tissue injuries and things. And uh, and let's take off and, and see what can happen with this team. Now, that was from his interview at buffalobills.com. But <laughs> so what I'm thinking is this. People want to bag on him for that take on our offseason. But can you fault him for feeling that way, Eric? No, I don't think so. I mean, when you consider what we've done in the draft, um, I, I do think, uh, you know, we won the draft. We got two guys that they had considered first-round picks. Um, we've addressed positions that, you know, on defense where we needed upgrade and in order to transition to and, and improve on the defensive side of the ball. So 
I, I totally understand Rex, you know, selling that point. Um, and well, you can't expect anything less from him. He's going to be confident regardless if we didn't get certain players that, you know, he had on the board or whatnot. So. Oh, yeah. No, he's a, he's a straight shooter the same way his father was. And uh, I think a big part of that mentality of we won the offseason, you know, we won this month. And then, you know, we won the offseason, we won this. I think a lot of that comes from where he feels the team is as a whole after seeing everybody at minicamp and OTAs. I think they're confident now that they've gotten a chance to put eyes on their 90-man roster that they're going to take into camp. They're confident that they can field a highly competitive 53. I totally agree. I mean, I, and it comes with a lot of reps, too. When they're in camp um, over the last few weeks, they just they see it obviously what we don't see and they can see the you know the team actually starting to gel and and the different roles that players are going to play so that is a a great thing to see and I'm only the coaches and staff can uh, you know see that we as outsiders don't really get to see that oh absolutely and that brings me to one of the first things I really want to get into with you is minicamp and OTA standouts now you guys over at Cover One did an awesome job of covering Des Lewis. Des Lewis was trumpeted as one of the more improved players from last year. You know, when he was a seventh-round draft pick, they brought they brought him back to camp this year, or at least to minicamp and OTAs, and he has been impressing everybody by all accounts. Yeah, that's what uh, the coaches have been saying, and I know that's you know they're trying to help with his confidence and whatnot. I mean, he only played in nine snaps last season, mm-hmm. so and and most of those snaps were in the Dallas game, so. To hear the coaches, um, you know, touting him that much, it is, it is, you know, promising. And mm-hmm. uh, with our wide receiver um, issues right now with, you know, Sammy's injury and whatnot, it is, it is nice to see someone stand, you know, standing out and stepping up. I think it's, I look at it from a standpoint of we've got a guy who's six foot four. He was raw. That's why he was there in the seventh round when we were going to go draft him. So if you're Absolutely. Gonna, if you're going to go throw away a pick on anybody. Take a tall, athletic wide receiver who's got some speed. He's not going to burn anybody deep. But at the same time, if he can get you, because Roman's offense relies a lot on that hook. Like you, you have a video, actually, at Cover1.net outlining it. The hook curl route. I love it. If you have a vertical passing game, I used to do it to people all the time in Madden. That's why my team was always the Ravens. Because if you have a vertical, a good vertical passing offense, all you have to do is send some people deep and then hook someone underneath them. No, you're absolutely correct. And, and with how defenses are going to play us this coming year, they're going to adjust to our vertical game. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. that was our number one. That was our go-to. And it's always been <clears throat> a, a staple of Greg Roman's offensive mm-hmm. pass concepts. So having that you know, deep curl or deep comeback – um, if he can run that and attack the ball, that was his problem. Uh, he didn't. He doesn't attack the ball, and that's one thing that you know the wide receivers coach uh, Sanjay mm-hmm. Lal had had mentioned that he's he needs to attack the ball and get better at doing that because, like you know, when you're driving back on those routes, those corners are also driving on those routes, and that's why having a guy that's six four and his size it'll help him shield that that yep. corner from that defender from making a play on the ball. Is you know, Eric is Des Lewis's game more suited for? outside role or would you prefer him in the slot i mean based on his history in college and from uh you know the few snaps that he's taken at the nfl level i mean he's projected to be an outside receiver um i I did address in the article that i think um there's a a movement towards putting taller receivers in the slot and that was just a theory of mine um i'm not sure if greg roman is actually going to be doing that but i think it would be you know something to explore at the very least because He's a guy that he is very shifty. He's not. 
I want to say a straight line speed. But he's he's very shifty in in uh, in and out breaking routes. So I mean, I would like to see him in a slot more. And a lot of teams and players, you know, such as Eric Decker and Mohamed Sanu and and Jordan Matthews with the Eagles, you know, they they relish that role and they're really mm-hmm. good at it. So I'd like to see him do that. But that was just a little theory of mine that I kind of add in that article. It would be nice to see though. No, and I read that article. And it was incredible that I I didn't realize that Eric Decker had that many touchdowns from the slot. You know, a yeah. lot of these guys he, he, scored a lot. Jan Gailey used him a lot in the slot, and, and you know that's that's the, like I said, I didn't really realize Gailey did that before he had Eric Decker. Mm-hmm. But it's it's one of those things that it could really, especially in our division, like I said in the article, you know. You have teams that are shifting to more safeties as linebackers. Mm-hmm. You can have these big receivers take advantage of that, you know? Mm-hmm. No, and you're absolutely correct. And one of the things that I love is this idea. I mean, you look at what Eric Decker is. He's tall. He's a matchup nightmare. When you run into a defensive coordinator who decides kind of like the Bills did, you know, we're not going to shift our cornerbacks around and we're not going to put them in. Uh, we're not going to single them on a, sing, a particular player. Right. We're just going to leave them on their side of the field and let them do what they do best. It feels like when we're playing teams that get on that same page, it would be nice to have a six foot four guy that I can put in the slot and say, hey, let's have your version of Nikel Roby come in here and try to stop him. Exactly. And that's you're right on there. And that it just creates mismatches, especially mm-hmm. when uh, like in our division, a lot of the teams in our division, you know, use three safeties. So like the Patriots, they bring three safeties in. Yep. And they'll just drop that safety in into the slot. I mean, having a big guy like that could you know, help us in that regard. Absolutely. So one of the other guys who is being touted throughout this process that's kind of been flying under the radar ever since he showed up here on the Bills. I mean, I know he was, his name was in the headlines all year last year. I came him Polly. Is that because he was going up against Quanjo? Well, and that's part of it is he, he, he got to go up against Quanjo. Now, I'm a diehard Eric. I'm a diehard Alabama fan. All right. I liked them before Saban got there, but okay. I noticed that I'm like, this team is built to ground and pound it. If they could just play some defense, they'd be solid. And then Saban showed up and fixed everything. And right. <laughs> a whole bunch of national championships later, what I've <laughs> – it's one of those things that – IK and Polly, he fits Rex Ryan's scheme. He just seems to – oh. I'm sorry about that. That's no. the train nearby. <laughs> train horns. No, it's okay. Last year when we were recording, there was not a single episode where somewhere in the background of one of our podcasts, there wasn't police sirens or a fire siren. So I'm like, people think well, I live that in I live country. in a- You're not going to hear that here. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I'm like, I don't live in a terrible neighborhood, but I live three blocks from the police station and four blocks from the fire station. So they just always come by. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that, guys. No, it's all right. But so I can't and Polly. The guy got here because Rex Ryan knew him. He punched out one. He punched out one of his teammates. Broke his jaw. Basically, gift wrapped the starting quarterback job for Ryan Fitzpatrick last year. Right. So he shows up to training camp, and I mean, well, at least minicamp this year, and he seems like he's really kind of gaining some momentum. They're talking about him. Tyler Dunn from the Buffalo News is talking about him realistically pushing Manny Lawson for that starting position. I'd be surprised if that actually is the case. Um, I, I do think he has a, a really good role as a backup. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's the type of guy, he's he's a team player. He was a guy that, you know, he only played in, I want to say, 150 snaps last year. Mm-hmm. But he was in pass 
pass coverage 11 times. Mm-hmm. He rushed the passer 71 times, and he played the run against the run 67 times. So he's a guy that's willing to drop, unlike you know Mario Williams last <laughs> Mario year. Williams. He's a team player. This guy, this guy will do whatever Rex asks of him, and he's a Rex guy. So I, mm-hmm. I'm not surprised to hear his name, uh, you know, being thrown in the headlines mm-hmm. as a guy that could, you know, push for a, a starting position until you know Shaq Lawson maybe gets back. Oh yeah. And then we've got Preston Brown. Now, throughout the OTAs, you know, there was a lot of news about Preston Brown and about how he looks re-energized. Yeah, he was referred to by some people as the defensive leader, quote-unquote. I mean, mm-hmm. that was Reggie Ragland speaking. And this is what Rex Ryan, uh, excuse me, Rob Ryan had to say about him so far through this offseason process. Uh, you know, this Preston Brown's going to be a star. Uh, you know, he's been fantastic. He's, he's uh, a vocal guy. He's extremely smart. He knows the defense. He knows the ins and outs now. So he's really going to grow in this system. And, and uh, you know, he's got a young player next to him that, uh, you know, that is, is like his twin. They love football. They're both tough guys. And uh, they're going to grow together. Yeah, there was a, uh, Rob Ryan from his interview at BuffaloBills.com talking about Preston Brown, uh, followed by uh, mentioning uh, Reggie Ragland being right next to Preston Brown. <laughs> I mean, what do you think about that? What do you think of what, – what's your take? Since you're an Exus Nose, guys, I saw the one video where you were like, hey, Preston Brown, you know, because you were talking about the cover six defense. Mm-hmm. And you had pointed out that Preston Brown was slow to get to his man. Right. Now, what is your take on Preston Brown as a starting player for the Buffalo Bills? I totally – I have trust in him. I, I just think, um, you know, this offseason – having the Bills draft Raglan, I think it's one of those things that he realizes that he's got to step his game up. It's, it's, he's not entitled to anything anymore, and Reggie Raglan's going to push him to be that leader because Raglan was that leader at Alabama, as you would know. Oh, absolutely. Dude, when we were doing our draft special, we were, we were broadcasting live during the draft, and I saw the pick before Chris did. Yeah, we were streaming the draft on my computer <laughs> and so it was about 40 seconds behind, and I was telling Drew, I said, I said, you know, for their pick, you know, just like keep it bottled up for like 40 seconds until I can turn it up on the mixer and we get it, and then you can react to that. Because he didn't want me giving away the picks. Right. When I saw that pick, I damn near lost my mind. It took everything in me not to just go berserk. Oh, you must have been ecstatic. It was fantastic. <laughs> I already bought the jersey. It's <laughs> it's awesome, and and I, I wish the best for him, but it would be a it would be a real boon for our defense to get good inside linebacker play because in a Rex Ryan defense you have to have that. Now, Eric, my I have one small quip about last season with our linebackers. I'm not much of a football guy as Drew is, but it seemed to be that Preston Brown was the he received the play calls and. I can think back to the Houston game, the first touchdown, where we still had players running onto the field. Right. And it just seemed like there's some kind of disconnect between, because I believe Preston Brown took the play calls from the defense, and it just seemed like the defensive coaches, Dennis Thurman, who we refer to here at the Rockpile Report as Virgil, who <laughs> we don't know what he does anymore. Right. Uh, it, it seems like there seemed to be more of a disconnect between the coaching and getting the plays out than it was Preston Brown actually calling the plays on the field, if you have anything on that. 
I do think uh, when it comes to situations like that, especially in that Houston game, I think that's on the coaches. And I think what we dealt with last year with the substitution issues, I know it's been typical of a Rex Ryan team, um, but that's because he does like to match up so much um, mm-hmm. against the opponent. And last year, playing that you know merge defense was what he called it. Um, he had to do that even more because of you know different injuries that have come up, especially later in the season. So. Um, as far as the substitution issues, I wouldn't put that totally on Preston Brown. What I will say is that I think Preston Brown is he's a good linebacker. I think he can succeed in this year's defense primarily because uh, it, it's I think they're going to whittle it down, whittle the playbook down. And he's, his problem last year for me, in my opinion, was his his read and diagnose skills. He saw the plays developing too late. He was reading his case too late and it was putting him out of position. And getting you know the offensive lineman that much more time to get on him, and he was not used to that the year before. I completely agree. You have no idea how crazy it made me seeing him regress that hard from the year before. But then when I looked at all the all twenty two film, when I broke down the games, my takeaway from it was that this is a fr- Jim Schwartz runs a very simple defense. Yeah, you know, you see it, you chase it, you go tackle it. That's mm-hmm. his defense for the for his linebacking core. Your defensive line is going to basically occupy all five men on the offensive line. And if they have tight ends, they're probably busy stopping pass rushers. Absolutely, so you have three linebackers who are completely unblocked, who can just see what they see, go get it. This defense is a little more cerebral. You have to think about it. You have to see what you think is out there. You have to diagnose plays in a better fashion. And I think that's what was hard for Preston Brown. It's good to hear that he's doing better now and he's actually trying to take command of this defense because we're going to need it. I mean, we've got two young guys in the middle of our defense. So it it takes a bigger mental capacity of the game to understand what Rex wants to do on defense versus what Jim Schwartz wants to do on defense? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Absolutely. And, and the thing with the linebacker position, especially inside, in a 3-4 defense, a true 3-4 is, you know, in, in Schwartz's system, he was just, like you said, used to getting downhill, filling a, a, a gap, and that mm-hmm. was it. In a 3-4 or a two-gap system, you're dealing, you have to not only read the flow of the play, read your keys, but you also got to read the defensive lineman in front of you because they're picking a gap, mm-hmm. which may not be the same gap every from play to play. So he's got to fill certain windows that he was not used to filling in, in, in Jim Schwartz's system. Oh, absolutely! It's that's that's the that's been one of the things that I've always talked about is the difference between the four three and three four defense. If you can do, every team wants to be a three four defense, mm-hmm. but that's because if you look at the number of championship teams that have won Super Bowls with a three four defense, it's incredible. Yeah, but it's because if you can do it well. It's hard for offenses to move the football, but if you don't do it well, you end up like the Jets did. Not this, not this last year, but the year before last, where you just get shredded by everybody. That's True. what happens if you run a three-four poorly. So it'll go a long way if we can get the middle of that defense solidified. Now I want to get into this running, the running back battle coming into camp. You did one of the best, as I alluded to earlier, you did one of the best film breakdowns of Jonathan Williams coming in, just coming in here onto the team as a Uh fifth-round draft pick. And just seeing what he brings to the table, I've read multiple articles, not only from your website, but also from Chris Brown at buffalobills.com saying that 
it's possible that John Williams could pass Carlos Williams on the death chart. I mean, what do you think about that? I would uh, not be surprised. Um, as we talked earlier about um, his talent, he has a talent, and he's. And the, the scary thing about him is, um, you know, he doesn't have many carries on his legs. First of all, because he shared carries with Alex Collins at Arkansas, mm-hmm. and not to mention he played an NFL run game at uh, Arkansas. Brett Bielema, who used to coach Wisconsin, runs a lot of the similar gap concepts that uh, you know Greg Roman employs here in Buffalo. So that's the other you know caveat that mm-hmm. not many people are talking about. He is used to seeing these uh, blocking schemes, uh, you know, with because he's done it at his whole career. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, that's very encouraging in in my opinion. So I guess my question to you is this. Knowing what you know about Jonathan Williams, and I'm sure that there's people out there listening who don't really know a whole lot about him or haven't taken the time to look, I urge you to go look at his tape because it's almost like the one thing I keep thinking is I look at Jonathan Williams, Carlos Williams, James Wilder Jr. You know what I see? And I alluded to this in a previous podcast. Big running backs who are fluid, they're the type, it's it's almost like they can do a little bit of everything. And they're Absolutely. one cut. They and can be one shifty, cut. and they don't. And they don't do the whole east and west thing in the backfield, one which cut. I feel like will not serve. If you're that type of running back, a guy like C.J. Spiller wouldn't survive in a in a Greg Roman system because definitely you not. have to see you're the hole on right and you have to hit it. You got to see what you see and just always be driving forward. And I feel like. When we had Spiller, he wasn't that type of back. And everyone, people were upset when he left, but I wasn't because in my head, unless he could find the edge and turn it upfield, he wasn't running anywhere. I agree with you. And, and Greg Roman last year, you know, we ran a lot of that pin and pull concept, and that's kind of a, a mesh between the gap schemes that he loves to run and zone run schemes, which zone run schemes are one, you know, you're getting downhill. You press the line of scrimmage, you get downhill, you bend it back or you bounce it. So it's Jonathan Williams is played in that system, and all of the backs that we do have, you're right. There are one cut guys, and they're huge. And and so and with the offensive line we have, and the continuity that we have coming back um, at, on the offensive line, I just I don't I don't care who you throw back there. I think our offensive line is going to take care of business in the trenches, and the running backs are just going to continue to excel. Well, this is what Rex Ryan had to say about uh, Carlos Williams. When it came to I don't think it's going to be camp. easy. I, I don't. I don't th- uh, think that at all. Obviously, he's had some different things. I know, uh, you know, some personal things, all that. But um, we do have to be slow with him. That's why I went putting him out here, full speed. He went through some individual drills and things. But we put him with Eric Siano, our strength coach, and and uh, we're we're trying to, you know, get him get him going a little bit and get uh, to where he needs to be, start training and things. We're not going to put a ridiculous weight number when he comes back. You know, we're going to put something that's attainable for him. But you, what you don't want to do, you don't want to have him, all of a sudden he's going to drop 20 pounds and he comes out here and he gets hurt the first day of training camp. That's, that's what we're trying to avoid. Um, so we got to get him to do the right things now. Obviously, he's not, uh, he's not anywhere close to where he needs to be to, to play at a high level. So uh, we got to get some weight off him, and he, he certainly understands that. That audio comes from buffalobills.com. So what do you think now, hearing that come from him? Rex Ryan's saying this about Carlos Williams. Meanwhile, you've got Jonathan Williams. You've got Wilder Jr. You've got 
Gillisley on the roster. You obviously the Sean McCoys are starting running back. Yes. Where do you think everybody slots in? Give me a one through five. Where do you think everybody slots in in the running back depth chart going into training camp? I think as of right now, uh, you you kind of nailed it right on the head. It's going to be shady. I think Jonathan Williams is two. I think honestly, Gillisley might be ahead of Carlos right now. Oh. And Wilder Jr. following up on, on the back end, just because, um, you know, Carlos had a, a weird offseason. You know, I understand, his, you know, he had a kid and everything, and he was eating a lot. But you got to have some kind of discipline. Like he had said, he's a professional. you gotta, you got to play like a, a, like a professional in the offseason as well. It's not just it's – a, it's a year-round job. And so – and then you read some of the stories, you know, from afar about um, – some of the stuff he posts on his social media, he, he had a weird offseason, in my opinion, and I think it's. I'm not surprised that he came into you know camp overweight. Honestly, do you think that uh, the way he started last year, with, I think it was what six touchdowns in the first six games and whatnot, with how well he came into the league, do you think that had that had any kind of effect on him mentally? Like he comes into this offseason, like. I I kicked ass as a rookie last year, you know. I'm I'm good at number two. Like I don't need to to put that much into my off season. I mean I I don't I don't disagree with you. I I do think that maybe yeah his head got a little big and you know he came in thinking you know he came out like gangbusters last year. He did. He had a great um, you know season last year for a rookie and you know coming from Florida State. I mean they do have some trouble players coming out of there. I'm not saying he's a trouble player, but um, when you come from a t- uh, program like that that has so much talent and that is winning a lot, I, I mean, I'm not surprised, again, in, in totality of, of everything that um, he's done this offseason, I'm not surprised at where he's at right now. And, you know, a- am I worried about him long term? Uh, no, not really. I do think he'll lose the weight. And I just think I, I like to see more discipline out of a professional football player. That's all, I- that's all I'd have to say about that, you know. Yeah, I think he came in it, last year. He basically came into the team as a rookie overtaking Fred Jackson's spot on the roster and the fact that he just took six touchdowns in six games or whatever it was basically just shut up everybody around Buffalo that was like that couldn't believe that we cut Fred Jackson because as soon as Carlos started to produce it was Fred Jackson who no you're right I mean he averaged what five and 5.6 yards a carry last year oh it was incredible the way he ran and he and the thing is he did it with limited touches you know, maybe if he got a full slew of touches, maybe that hurts his numbers a little bit. But mm-hmm. overall, he didn't disappoint. The guy was what everyone wanted him to be. No, definitely. I mean, I, I'm looking at Pro Football Focus now. He had 93 attempts, 517 yards, 273 yards after contact. He had a 41-yard touchdown was his longest of the year. I um, mean, he, he produced 19 missed tackles and 93 carries. That's pretty good. So he did mm-hmm. have a great year. Um so, yeah, there's probably a sense of entitlement, but I think Rex kind of whipped him back into shape, and, and, and hopefully he does lose that weight, which, I, like I said, I don't worry about that. It's still early. Mm-hmm. No, and that's, and that's the thing. It, it is early. So, and it comes, it comes down to uh, what uh, Rex said, to win July. This is the month that they're off. So Carlos Williams better be here and be at One Bill's Drive in the weight room and dieting and getting that weight off so he is – as prepared as he can be for training camp. And so now I've got a question to ask you. Do you think 
How many running backs do you think the Bills carry this season? Oh, boy. Considering the injuries we ran into late in the season and they had to dig deep and they got lucky that they got Gillisley. They got lucky because his, his speed, that Cowboys game, that long touchdown flipped the game. So no, definitely. I, I mean, I think it's a lock for four. Uh, I would see – I wouldn't be surprised with five, honestly, because of the type of uh, scheme we're running. And you think about Shady. Um, I don't know about Carlos Williams and his special teams ability, especially you know with his, mm-hmm. his weight right now. You get, those guys, your three and four running backs, have to, have to produce on special teams too. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not sure how well Jonathan Williams can do that. But, I mean, obviously I think he's going to make the roster. Mm-hmm. Oh, he has. I think if you take him with a fifth round pick, you're expecting him to be on the 53. Yes. Wasn't Carlos a fifth? Yeah, Carlos yep. was a fifth rounder, so it'll be interesting. But that brings us to our next and final segment here with Eric Turner. I want to talk about some dark horses here to make the 53 man roster. Okay, some outliers that maybe have a shot to push for a job as a backup, as you know, depth at a certain position. Obviously, we already touched on Des Lewis. You guys did a great job of breaking that down and showing why he might actually be the number three wide receiver, not even having to worry about making it as a four or a five. Who else do you think, out of our current roster, might step into that role? Well, I think the biggest dark horse, and, and he's been talked about a lot, is you know Oklahoma's Eric Stryker. Uh, I mean, I would be surprised to see him make the roster, honestly, I, but... He's the type of guy that, you know, Rex loves. He's selfless, and he can rush the passer, that's for sure. Yeah, well, for anybody listening, again, go to CoverOne.net and look at the Eric Stryker video that uh, Eric put out for everybody. It's fantastic, and it illustrates what it – he's not the most dynamic athlete. You know, he's not a – quarter. you know, he doesn't have the – he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's not the fastest guy in the world. But he's productive. He's productive and he fits some things that Rex Ryan likes to do in a multiple type of off, uh, defense. So I feel like it's he might actually have a shot at making this right. After watching your video, I didn't think he'd make it. And then I watched your video and I was like, oh, man, this guy might have a shot. The 12th most effective pass rusher in the country last year. Yes. That's and I mean, he had he had 37 total pressures, which was fourth in the nation. Um, you know, seven and a half sacks, which was 10th in the nation. Um, and, you know, I think it helps the type of defense that Rex plays because, as you know, our inside linebackers in this system, they blitz a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that the inside linebackers from last year, you know, Preston Brown, Nigel Bradham, and even Manny Lawson when he got in there, struggled with. I mean, we only produced, I mean, you- 29 total pressures from the inside linebacker position, which is quite low for Rex Ryan's um, zone blitz system. You have no idea how happy it makes me to hear that come from somebody else who knows and follows the analytics and breaks down the X's nose of every game because there were multiple games last year where I'd flat out start our podcast when I was breaking down film and I'd say, our injuries at the linebacker position, the fact that Bradham was out, he was our most athletic linebacker. He was yes. the guy that Rex thought was going to be rushing the passer from the A-gap. When you're playing with street free agents, you've got guys like Kevin Reddick starting football games for you. You can't rush up the middle. Those guys aren't dynamic athletes like that. So instead of asking them to do something that you know they can't, he kind of had no choice but to abandon it. And I think it really hurt his defensive planning. 
No, I totally agree with you there. And, I mean, just as a comparison, like I said, those three linebackers, Lawson, Brown, and Bradham, they produced two sacks, 11 hits, and 16 QB hurries last year. Whereas in, I know, the Jets' defense in 2014 wasn't the best, but their inside linebackers, Demario Davis and David Harris, had 10 sacks, four yep. hits, and 14 QB hurries. So, I mean, having those sacks, eight more sacks, I mean, we would we have 29 last year? Mm-hmm. I mean, it makes a difference. And when, it makes a, a huge difference when you talk about the game planning and, and exotic blitzes that Rex usually likes to run. Well, I think that's half of the threat of Reggie Ragland. That's what he brings. He brings that downhill A-gap pressure. God help you if you're doing a draw and Reggie reads it right because he's going to meet that guy in the backfield with force. One thing I, I loved about Reggie Ragland is he's never diving. He's never diving to make tackles. He, he will if he has to, but for the most part, when you watch him, he hits with power and he knocks guys backwards. But when he's doing it, he's never lunging. He's just making a solid technical form tackle. That's terrifying to a quarterback because if you're going to run a play action and somebody blows their assignment up front and that's coming up the A-gap, you have to be aware of that. That, yeah. guy, that guy could turn into a heat-seeking missile right up the gut. And it's. I just feel like adding him to our defense will help, but they Definitely. need to get that. Now, you know, they need to get that out of that position. Now, Eric, one of the things that during the draft that the NFL media had put out as a question mark on Reggie Ragland was is is Reggie Ragland a three down linebacker? Do you feel he's a three down linebacker? I think in this scheme he can be. Um, I'm one of those guys. I mean, he played in I think eighty percent of their snaps there at Alabama, and that was he was mainly taken out on third downs because they had more athletic linebackers to fill in on passing down. So I get that, um, but with how much. Mixed coverages, you know, the cover fours and whatnot that Rex likes to play. Um, these linebackers are just asked to really wall off, uh, you know, the number three receivers crossing and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not going to be asked to carry too many guys down the seam. So, I mean, we play a lot of mixed coverages. We're, it's, it's not just like man-on-man or straight mm-hmm. zone. There's a lot of mixed coverages based on the, the release or the routes of the receiver. So I'm not too worried about it. Um, we'll see how his angles and his, his pursuit and, and and his, you know, reading of the the different routes that you're going to see at the NFL level, um, you know, when that takes place. But I do think he'll be fine. I I don't think he'll be a liability. And that's why I think Eric Stryker fits what he wants to do. Like you said, he could slot in there. He's not going to be a liability in pass coverage. And at the same time, he might give you that spark from the pass rush that you need. Right. And that's why I wasn't surprised to hear that he's taking reps from the inside uh, linebacker position Mm -hmm. because of how much, Rex does like to blitz those inside backers. Yep. Um, and like you said, I, I think he's very fluid too. I mean, when mm-hmm. you see him, the very few times that he did drop in the coverage um, at Oklahoma, uh, his hips were you know opening up from side to side. I I don't really see that being a problem. It, it and he can read routes in, and wall off guys. So I mean, again, it, I think it's a wait and see approach. But I'm not surprised to see him taking uh, you know reps from the inside position. So a couple other guys that I have pegged as maybe a dark horse to sneak onto the roster. Glenn Gronkowski. I think he gets he gets the job because I think you save some coin with cutting Felton. Well, if you cut Felton, he's, we have no dead money and he's 2.3 off our cap. Exactly. I think that if Glenn Gronkowski can come out and prove that he could – because last year, I'll be honest, I was, I was pumped when I saw we got a, a former Pro Bowl fullback. And then this guy came out and didn't really accomplish much. You know, he did, I, don't, I, I didn't feel like he earned his money. 
I, I mean, I agree with you. I, I think that's also a, a product of uh, what Greg Roman had it planned on doing yeah. as an offense from the run scheme perspective. I think um, Roman had planned on running more of the you know 22 personnel with two mm-hmm. running backs in there. And then um, after the first few games, I, I believe his his uh, approach changed, and he realized that that Shady didn't run that well with a fullback right in front of him. So mm-hmm. um, that's when we started going to more of that pin and pull sweep and 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 those type of concepts. Um, so I think that he had that Roman had to adapt, and it, that meant that you know our high paid fullback was not getting mm-hmm. as many reps as that he would have liked. I'll tell you, I, I have to tell you, I love that position. When I was a kid, I played fullback. And nothing because I was a ter- I couldn't hold on to the ball. <laughs> I still <laughs> I couldn't hold on to the ball well. I was too small. I played guard from little loop up, and then once I got older, I got too small to continue playing guard. So it sucked. But the I I had a real affinity and a love for run blocking. That was just it was one of my things. Lorenzo Neal will probably be one of the best to ever do it. The guy was just a hammer at the fullback position. I thought that's what we were getting. In fact. Right. And so to see things kind of pan out like that, it's like, okay. But then, like you just said, the way Shady McCoy runs, he's a creator. He improvises. You never know what he's going to do. He just sees what he sees and he goes. So maybe a traditional fullback really isn't something he needs, in which case maybe neither Gronkowski or Felt make the roster. Well, I do think that um, this year versus last year, I mean, if you look at the indie game last year, you know, the first game of the year, you saw a lot of a lot more twenty one personnel that fullback and out of the eye, you know. Mm-hmm. And and you're right, Shady is a creator, and you don't want to restrict his ability, which his in his vision. So um, having that fullback right in front of him kind of pegged him in, into a certain hole. So yeah, we evolved, and I think this year we're going to have to evolve even more because teams mm-hmm. are going to spend this whole offseason, especially teams in our division, mm-hmm. to shut down that pin and pull sweep. Yep. So I do think that. You know, fullback is going to be a huge uh, position this year, and I wouldn't be surprised that you know if Gronk um, made the, the roster primarily because what he can do out of the backfield and off those. You know, if we're running more, you know, stuff from under center, which we didn't do as much as you know Greg Roman would have liked to mm-hmm. last year. Um, I do think that you know the rollouts and, and naked bootlegs and stuff like that. I think Gronk adds another level to this offense that you know Felton just doesn't have. Yeah. No, you're right. And then the last position that I think, just me personally, nose tackle. I've got Jarrell Worthy and I've got Justin Zimmer. Now, I've heard reports on both of them. I'm personally a huge fan of Jarrell Worthy. You know, he came out of Michigan State. Mm-hmm. The guy, I watched him block a field goal in overtime to beat Georgia in a bowl game. Like the guy was a force for Michigan State, but then he got to the NFL level and just kind of found he kind of floundered around. He never really owned up to his potential as a third-round draft pick. Justin Zimmer's a walk-on. UDFA, who just, you know, he, he the guy has a ton of physical upside, but I don't I, I think this team, I think the reason why one of them makes the roster is because our team needs, in order for Kyle and Adolphus Washington and for Mario, uh, Mario Williams, for Marcel Darius to really get off and do what they do best, which is penetrate it. Mm-hmm. You have to have a zero technique nose tackle. Have to. I totally agree with you. And you know, Zimmer, I love obviously uh, him on paper. And you know, I started when we brought him in. I started looking at some film of him, and then I, I started thinking about who does he compare to. 
And so I went back to, you know, the Baltimore Ravens uh, clips that I had uh, posted on the site, and and he reminds me of Kelly Gregg. He's the same size, short, squatty, you know, and he, he's just strong and uses his leverage and body really well. Mm-hmm. And if we're, you know, trying to shift back to that kind of defense, I think Justin Zimmer, his his comp is – Kelly Gregg, and I think he could succeed. I, I like the guy, and I, I'd like to see him make the roster, honestly. So do you have anybody, any names I haven't mentioned or anybody you might be a personal fan of? Who do you think might be a dark horse to make this roster? I mean, I think you've pretty much covered the ones that I, you know, that I I totally agree with all of them. You know, the Des Lewis, the Gronk, mm-hmm. striker. I am interested to see what they do from the tight end position, um, you know, because we, we have Clay, Gregg, Jim Dre, and then I, there's another guy, Blake Annan, I believe it is, mm-hmm. that um, he's been getting a lot of props this offseason. And he's a speedster, so he's more of a you know a vertical uh, down the down the field threat. Mm-hmm. So to see something like that in this offense, I mean, it, it could only help us, obviously, down the seam. No, um, but I, I think he'd be a dark horse to make it. Now, are we going to carry four tight ends? I mean, probably not. <laughs> you know, I, I think that it depends on – the tight end and the H-back position, the fullback position, I think go hand-in-hand. Hand. So I think, um, you know, it, there's a possibility that if they do keep Gronk, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, they, they carry two fullbacks because Gronk can be used as an H-back, a la, you know, Bruce Miller did mm-hmm. when uh, Greg Roman was in, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah. Now, one of the uh, names that you didn't mention that around here in Buffalo in the media that they have basically said is all but cut was Nick O'Leary. The mm-hmm. Nick O'Leary good as good as gone I, I it's hard to say because i mean he obviously had limited snaps last year and he I, I was hoping that he would develop or can develop into that type of h-back because you know he was a decent blocker uh, at florida state um and he has a knack the thing i loved about him coming out he's in, he has a knack for getting open you know he, he he reads defensive coverages really well so he knows when to sit and you know in a zone and he knows how to find windows so i, I was Kind of disappointed to see that he didn't get as much PT last year, but I mean, there's a possibility. I, I, I'm not going to count anyone out this early. No, and you're right, and I think it speaks to their. They're at least going to give him a shot in training camp and into the preseason because they protected him when they thought when when they heard that the Ravens were sniffing around for a tight end help and that they mm-hmm. were about to sign him off of our practice squad. They put they cut Mulligan, who was a superior run blocker. He didn't right. offer anything in the passing game, but he was a good run blocker, a decent run blocker. Right. They cut him in favor of O'Leary just to protect him from being swallowed up by another franchise. So I think that speaks to the fact that they saw something in him, and I just hope that they'll give him at least a healthy shot at it. But you're right. Annan, Annan's deep speed combined with Charles Clay – the, with the vertical passing game we have, that could wreak havoc on a defense. Yeah, I mean, that's another dimension. I mean, it's something that obviously Greg Roman had with Vernon Davis and whatnot. And, and Delaney Walker, he had two great tight ends uh, when he started in San Francisco. So he loves using his tight ends. He loves using his fullback and H-backs and using them interchangeably. So it would be nice to see uh, you know, a guy, a guy like that to develop. Because O'Leary, like I said, I, I do like the guy, and he can catch the ball. He just knows how to get open, but... Um, I, I think he's going to be—he's going to be a bubble guy for sure. Mm-hmm. It's going to be so cool to watch this all unfold. Now, Eric, we got to get out of here. So here's right. what I want you to do: Why don't you tell everybody who's listening right now a little bit about your website? Go ahead and give yourself a plug and 
Yeah, let everyone know where they can find more of your stuff because it's fantastic. No, I appreciate you guys uh, having me on, and you know, I, I I have listened to you guys for a while now, and and, and it's an honor to be on the show. Um, my site is CoverOne.net. Um, I started about a year ago, and it's it's a site that again I I just do to you know for the love of the game, and I love breaking down film primarily, and uh, I like to you know kind of show the casual fan, um, you know that what goes into a certain player, what that how much be, time these guys Eric, put in. That would you know? be me. Yeah, my buddy over here, he's the casual fan. <laughs> I'm the he's, casual. I just, I came up with this idea that, like, I was like, Drew, I should record you talking about football. <laughs> and that's how, that's like how all of this came to. I can record you and I can make it sound like it should be on the radio. But at the same time, he's the guy who on Sundays, he's like, oh, no, I didn't see some of that game because I, I was at a child's birthday party. Like, what? <laughs> Dude. You, you did what? I am no longer with my wife. Shut your mouth. So the fact is, the fact <laughs> is, is you do a great job. Your breakdowns are fantastic. And like I said, I urge everybody to go check it out. Coverone.net. It's definitely going to be on. It's definitely in my favorites list. And where can we find you on Twitter? It's uh, Cover One E Turner. So Cover One E T U R N E R. That's my Twitter handle. All right. Well. Eric, thank you so much for coming by today. It was a lot of fun to talk to you about all this and really pick your brain about what you think about this, you know, just where we are right now in the season. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, we'll do this again soon. Thank you. Absolutely. Guys, we have had a fantastic show tonight. And our first with BillsFanaticsBF.com. And I'm sad to see it end. I, I was making fun of the fact that Chris just went spread eagle like he thought. Like, I don't know, like he was singing Leonard Skinnerd. Freebird. <laughs> like he was singing Freebird. Freebird. At some kind of a yokel concert at some town park. But the fact is, is I've had a great time tonight. I've had a lot of good content. Eric, Eric, Eric Turner, Turner, thank you so much for coming on. Guys. It was his first podcast. I appreciate all of you guys coming out and listening to what we do. Why don't you check out our contact? You can find links to it at BillsFanaticsBF.com. You can tweet at us at Report on Twitter. Or get at me with your you know your comments, your critiques. If you want to tell me you hate my opinion, you think I'm an idiot. How about this? Report 716 at gmail.com. How about I this? I swear to God I'll read it. How about this? Reading through the Bills Fanatics group on Facebook. I, saw, I forget the guy's name. Um, but he had made a post in the Facebook group. Why don't we get your opinion on it? He had talked about, hey, why don't you just move the training camp maybe for a season down somewhere near Cortland where us Bills fans in the southern tier can go watch training camp. Do you have any kind of opinion on the fact that, let's see, our training camp started? We were in Fredonia mm-hmm. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Russ Brandon comes. Now we're in Rochester, kind of regionalizing us throughout mm-hmm. Western New York. Would you be opposed to move it? Maybe move it to Syracuse or no? Or I wouldn't be against that. Anything, you know what? I I almost feel like for some of the guys in the team, it might shake things up a little bit. It might make it kind of fresh. You know, guys who have been here on the roster for a while and are are familiar now with St. John Fisher. Maybe move it to another school. It might be a bit of a team building thing because Rochester's like an hour and fifteen away if you're good at driving. In any if event, you, guys, Chris if you send here. it to Syracuse, you might have to stay there forever. Chris is here trying to start a new conversation. If you guys have any opinions on anything we covered tonight, I want to hear about it. 
You know, I want to talk about this stuff. That's what we're here for is a generate conversation. Get at me, like I said, Twitter, Gmail, Facebook. You can find us, The Rock Pile Report. Guys, it's a pleasure to keep doing this with you. And I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. And this has been this week's Rock Pile Report.